Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. The message you are about to hear was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found online at grace417.com. Happy Mother's Day, moms. Well, I want to pray over you guys as a church. I want to pray over our moms, and then I'm going to share the word this morning. Lord, I, I thank you for our moms that are here today. I pray as they're, as they're in this place, Lord, that you would just encourage them. You would um, give them all the wisdom that they need. Lord, we thank you for our moms. Lord, I know that this day can be... Um, emotionally loaded in so many ways. I know there are uh, I know there are moms here who have lost children in their womb. I know there's moms here who have lost children after they've been born. I know there's many, many here who have lost their own mom. I know there's, uh, uh, I know there's many that have experienced um, rejection, have experienced um, a break in relationship with either their mom or with their children. And and this is, this is one of the relationships that can be the most blessed, Lord, but can also be the most painful. And so I pray this morning, Lord, where there is hurt, where there's pain, that you would pour your salve in. And Holy Spirit, you can do what only you can do. And I thank you that you are a God who restores. And I thank you that you're a God who heals. And, and ladies here who maybe not even able to have children, the Lord, you would strengthen and you would encourage them and you would help them to be spiritual moms in the church. And Lord, we thank you for moms. We thank you for your outpouring upon them. We, I pray for a fresh grace, for a fresh strength, for increased energy and joy and spiritual resolve for our moms today. Lord, we honor them and we thank you for them. And Lord, I pray for our church. I pray for Grace Church. As we, as Heather and I are away for these 90 days, I pray that, that your church here, Lord, would grow stronger. Lord, that you would do some things in this church that you couldn't do if we were here every week. I pray that there would be an increased maturity. I pray there would be an increased interdependence upon the brothers and sisters of Christ in this place. Lord, that you would you'd do something really beautiful and really special. Lord, I thank you that you are the Lord of the church, that you are the great shepherd. And we entrust you, Lord, to shepherd your sheep, to take care of your flock, with the under-shepherds that are here. In Jesus' mighty name. Church, can you say amen? Amen. Well, we have, um, if you need anything over the summer, just reach out to the church. You can reach out church office, info at grace417, call the church office. If you're in a fusion group, one of your fusion group leaders, and we, we have you covered this summer and, uh, and uh, just, just love you. And I tell you, you know what Heather and I, we're going through right now? Like, we're going to miss you guys. Like, we're, well, there's a part of us that's sad. Like, we are so involved in your life and you're so involved in ours. We're just, we're just kind of sad. It's, uh, we're gonna, I just wanted to let you know we're going to miss you. We already miss you. But we're going to miss you guys, but, but we love you. So this morning, we're wrapping up the book of Ephesians. We're wrapping up Ephesians. Um, I couldn't think of anything better to preach on a Mother's Day than spiritual warfare, right? Because you moms and you grandmas are praying for your kids, for your grandkids. I want to encourage you in that. Um, 
And I think so often when we think of the Christian walk, we, we, we'd always, we're not always thinking of engaging in warfare, of a battle, of a fight. But I'm telling you, the Lord has called us to be aggressive. And, and so the question here this morning is, are you guys ready to rumble? But when you hear that phrase, like it immediately just gets you like ready to go, doesn't it? It gets you pumped up. And, and as we come to Ephesians uh, chapter 6, we see here Paul describes the weapons that we fight with in this realm of spiritual warfare. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. You can turn there. You can open in your app. These notes are in there. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, Paul's been equipping the saints. He's been reminding us of who we are in Christ Jesus, all that he's provided, how we're called to live. And he's wrapping it all up. And he says, now, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Not be strong in yourself, not be strong in your own personality, not be strong in your own resources, but find your strength in the Lord and in his mighty power. And we do this by putting on the full armor of God. Why? so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Right? The struggle isn't the person you're working with. The struggle isn't the person in your home. It's not your neighbor. It's not extended family. That is not your enemy. That's not who your struggle is with. Now, you say, yeah, you don't know. Like, you don't. It manifests its way sometimes that way, but we know that ultimately... That's not really where the battle is, but it's ultimately against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Now, I know there's some people that see a devil behind every bush, and, and people use cop-outs like, well, the devil made me do it. I know there's extremes that way, but I think in the Western world where we live in, I think we tend to err on the other side. I think we tend to kind of forget about the reality of the spiritual warfare that we're in, that there's a, a spiritual dimension, there's a spiritual reality. Uh, we are so logical, we deal so much in, in what can be proven logically, scientifically, through natural law, that we, we forget that we are in a battle. We forget that there's a real devil, there's real spiritual paladins, that there's these layers of the demonic that are warring, that are plotting against you, against the children of God that wanna bring um, Death, wanna, they want to steal, they want to kill, they want to destroy, uh, they want to wreak havoc in our lives, they want to bring death and destruction and, 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 and conflict, like unholy conflict and bitterness and anger and dissension. And, and when we get, we, we, we get off track and we, and, and we try to sometimes deal with things just in a natural means or a natural realm and, and it doesn't work and, and we don't know why. And so Paul here reminds us that this struggle that we're in is not an earthly struggle. It's not a human struggle. It's a spiritual struggle. And the results can be accomplished through a spiritual means and to be strong in his power and strong in his might. We were in early morning prayer, and as we were in early morning prayer, uh, one, of the, uh, one, of, one of the people in prayer prayed out James 4, 6, and 7, and it says this. It says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. It says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So there's a promise here. When you bring yourself into submission to the Lord, resist the devil, he will flee. And as this verse was prayed, I made an immediate connection. The Lord helped me to see immediate connection to Ephesians chapter 5 and 6 that I had never made before in my life. 
And this is the principle that I discovered in this time of prayer on Thursday, that there is a connection between submission and with being victorious in spiritual warfare. That there's this connection. I've never seen this connection before. In Ephesians 5 and 6, uh, last week we talked about submitting. We talked about um, wives submitting to husbands. We talked about children and parents. We talked about being mutually submissive to each other. And we talked about living this life of humility and a life of mutual submission. And then it goes right into submission to here, giving us the weapons of our warfare, displaying the armor of God, letting us know how we can be victorious in this spiritual battle. And then we see in James, he says, submit to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee, to you, flee from you. And so there's this connection here with, with, with submission is humility. That is, we live lives of humility. As we live lives of preferring others, as we live lives of submission, that as we do that, then there's a spiritual oomph behind it that gives us victory over the enemy in our life. And, and I like to think of it this way. I like to think of, 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 of humility being, the, being, the, like this, like being a key that I would call, like, like how, do, how do I put this? Like, like keeping your head down. Like, like, I never want to get my head cut off, okay? Can we just say that? Like, but if you ever, like, if you're like, like this, and I'm thinking like spiritually, okay? Like, you're up like this, full of pride, and just kind of, oh yeah, I'm all everything, you know? And just, I don't have to submit to anybody or anything. Uh, I'm God's gift to this earth, you know? Just, I mean, you can get your head cut off, right? Spiritually speaking. But if, uh, a life of humility, of preferring others, of meekness, of of just of submission of just of just walking in humility that I think that stuff kind of flies over your head. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but that's just kind of how I live life. And and then I see here how this is yeah, God opposes the proud, but he gets favor to the humble. So it's it's like a brand new present I discovered this week that one of the ways we overcome the enemy is by submission and is by humility to the Lord in mutual submission and then his there's just spiritual power there. So I just that's just for free. I'm just throwing that in. So let's go to verse 13. We're going to really get into the armor of God here. Verse 13, then put on the full armor of God. And let me just say this, like this armor of God, each one of these could be its own sermon in itself easy. So I'm just, I'm just going to hit some highlights here. So therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you guys think we're living in evil days? Man, I do. The day of evil, not only are we living in evil days, but there's days that we find that are evil, where destruction happens in our life, where difficulty happens, where there's an onslaught. And you can think back in, in your life, and you can think of some different days, you'd say, yeah, that day was evil because of what the enemy tried to do. And so we know that when, we, when these days of evil come, that we'll be able to stand our ground. We won't lose ground. And after you've done everything to stand, if you've done everything to stand, then you stand firm some more. One of the parts of being victorious in the spiritual walk is standing. Standing strong, not giving ground. You know, when we think of spiritual warfare, so often we have the image, and it's a valid image, of this Roman soldier and, and, and the armor of, of what he has. And, and that's a metaphor, that's a picture of what Paul does. This. You know, a few weeks ago we were talking about the body of Christ being like the physical body. That's a, a metaphor to explain it. And this is a metaphor of, of, an, of a warrior's um, 
armor to help explain the spiritual resources that we have in Christ Jesus. And so he's helping us make this connection here. But if we could have a broader perspective, we would not just see a warrior, we would see an army. That you and I are the army of God. That it's not just one of us here fighting alone. That we are all together an army. And not just, and, 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 and I think we just think so individualistic. It's not just so that we don't get taken out by the devil. Although that we, we are able to stand and we are able to, to not only take the onslaught of the enemy, but be victorious over him. Actually, together what we're able to do is to hold the line, to stand, and we've done all to stand, stand some more. So this spiritual battle, we're not losing ground. In this spiritual battle, we are stopping the works of darkness. We're stopping what the enemy would want to do in our families, in our church, in our community, in our neighborhood, in our jobs, in our school. We're, we're stopping it. Evil cannot go any further because I am here, because you are here, because we are the body of Christ. We are the called ones of God. We are strong in Christ Jesus. We're wearing the armor of God. We are, we are strong in Jesus. And as we're living these principles out, not only are we stopping evil, but we're pushing it back and we're destroying works of darkness and we're taking ground for the Lord. We're advancing his kingdom. And so it's not just that it's an individual warrior out there on a battlefield trying not to die. It's that we're together, rallied together with this, this war cry, which is worship. That's what worship is, is a war cry. You look in the Old Testament, when there was a battle to fight, they would send the worshipers first because they would have spiritual victory. And so our worship is not just singing nice songs to a great band. It's a rally. It's a war cry of this engagement that we have in the spiritual realm. And as we rise to the occasion, as we know who we are in Christ Jesus, and we live the life that he's called us to live, which we see displayed in these different parts of the armor, not only are we okay, not only are we victorious, not only are our families are victorious, but we're moving back the realms of darkness. We're advancing the kingdom of God. And so here he says, we've done all to stand. Keep standing. Stand firm. Don't run. Don't run in battle. Hold your ground. Stay strong in Jesus. And this is how we do it. Stand firm then with the belt of, belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all. And I love that word. All. You can extinguish all all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. This full armor of God. This is another way this could be said. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. So we stand firm. We're standing firm. We're standing firm in our, in our, in victorious of Jesus. That God has placed you strategically in your family, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your job, in this church, in this community, specifically to stop evil and to frustrate the works of the devil. And as you stand your ground, as you do this, you are victorious against us. And so this is how we do it. We do this with the belt of truth. 
That's the first piece of armor mentioned, and I, I think why is because truth is so important. Truth frustrates Satan. Because his entire kingdom is based upon deception and lies. We know he's the father of lies. And since the cross, Satan has no legitimate power base. He's been stripped of his power. He's been stripped of his authority. The only authority Satan has in our life is is the, the authority, the place, the power that we give him when we believe the lies that he speaks to us, that he whispers to us. That's, that's how we give him power. When we believe a lie to be true, then it can become our reality. You see, if I'm lying to you and you believe my lie, I have power over you. But if Heather were to say, hey, he's lying, it's not true, I would no longer have that power. It'd be exposed, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be there. And so this is the same way. This, when we know the truth, the truth sets us free, and the power of that lie is broken. John 16, 13 says, as soon as you know the truth, the truth will set you free. What does it set you free from? The power of the lie. And Jesus is truth. And the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. And so we have this that's, that's so, it's so important. Because if we participate in untruth, if we participate in denial, if we exaggerate reality, we empower Satan in our life. And if we believe his lies about others, about God, about ourselves, about a marriage, about our kids, we are giving him a power base and we don't want that. And so here it says this belt of truth is buckled around our waist. And and the reason for this is in ancient times, it was thought that the seat of life was in your guts. We, we say, you know, if we, it's Mother's Day, we'd say, Mom, I love you with all of my heart. If we were back in these days, we would have said, Mom, I love you with all of my guts. Because that's like where the, the seat of life was. That was the most important part. That they would, one of the most important parts they need to protect in battle. Because it's central to who we are. You see, our waist is our, is our balance point, right? Even in a physical person, our waist is our, like, that's why there's all this craze about, like, building your core stronger, right? Yeah, I don't know much about that either. But, uh, but you know, in a, in a, in a battle of a warrior, um, if, you're, if you're fighting, you don't, you don't look at the arms, you don't look at the legs, you look at the waist. Because where the waist is going is where the warrior's going. I know when I played basketball, our coach taught us to keep our eyes on the belly button. I mean, you can't see it through the uniform, but where the belly button is. You keep your eyes on the belly button because it doesn't matter if they shake, they bake, they, 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 they go sideways, they pivot around. It doesn't matter because they're going where their belly button is. I mean, that's, just, that's where they're at. You stick with the belly button, you have your player covered because that's where they go. And that's, and that's because it's central to who we are. It's absolutely central that, that we walk, that we be people of truth. It's not that when you get in the morning, you get up in the morning and say, Lord, I put on the belt of truth. I mean, you can say that, that's fine, but where the power comes is when you live in truth. That's how you overcome the enemy is by living in the truth of who Jesus is and of who he says we are. That I, heard, I heard someone say, even this morning, we were talking about this, the armor of God, and they said, really what it is is just being who we are in Christ Jesus. And that's exactly right. It's putting on Christ. Christ is all of these things that we're talking about. And I'm blown away by the people that lie. I'm blown away by the links that people will go to for untruth, and it's so costly. 
My prayer is that we would be people with whom truth would dwell at the very core of our being, of who we are. The next is a breastplate of righteousness. A soldier's breastplate would cover his heart. Righteousness has to do with our hearts. If we're righteous in heart, it means we have a commitment to do what is right. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but when we sin, we repent, we make it right. I'm so thankful that I have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That my righteousness is not worth much. It's not worth anything. But because I'm in Christ, I'm righteous because Christ is righteous. And when I put my faith and my trust in him, when I bowed my knee to Jesus, when I said yes to him, I became righteous. And I'm righteous in him. And I want to live that out. I want to be a righteous person in my, in my actions. You know, if you were to... Um, I think of Saul and David in the Old Testament, the first king and the second king of Israel. And there was a prophet, Samuel, and one time uh, Saul was going out to battle and he was supposed to kill all the livestock. That was the direction of the Lord. And, and he's coming back and, and the prophet Samuel says, well, Saul, did you do what the Lord asked? Did you, did you kill everything? And yeah. And then you hear this, you know, this, this bleeding of sheep and mooing of cows. And Samuel's like, well, What's that? I hear that. Oh, 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 that. Well, well, we just brought that. That was the very best. We just brought that to, to, to worship your God with. He didn't even say my God, but to worship your God with. And, and I didn't want to, you know, but the people made me do it. You know, they just, they pressured me into it. Saul never took responsibility for his sin. Saul looked good, but he wasn't. David didn't look so good, but he was. Saul looked like a king, but he didn't have the heart of one. David didn't look like a king, but he had the heart of one. And we see the heart, uh, we see the heart of David. The Lord said that David was a man after his own heart. And we can struggle with that because he was a man greatly flawed. He was a man who blew it. He was a man who committed adultery and then had this woman who had the affair with, had her husband murdered. But yet we know that David had a heart after God. And you're like, how can that be? That doesn't seem to fit. Well, when he was confronted with this, he said, yep, that's me. I did it. I'm guilty. Forgive me, Lord. And we have Psalm 51, this beautiful psalm of repentance that shows this heart being made right, being made righteous. And let us be people. We're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be without sin. But when we sin, when we blow it, our, our power doesn't come in perfection. Our power comes in walking in repentance. Our power comes in walking in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that this protects our heart, that our heart stays pure. And so we're people who walk in truth. We're people who walk in righteousness. And those are the things that protect us from the enemy. Those are the things that overcome the onslaught that the enemy would want to bring to us and for us. And then we have the readiness of peace. Verse 15, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Readiness in some translations is translated preparation. And it has to do with what you're standing on. Can you just kind of just stomp your feet for a minute? Would you do that right where you are? It's where you're, right? It's, it's, it's what you're standing on. You're ready to fight because of the foundation you're on. Imagine trying to fight a battle on, a, on an angled slippery slope, right, compared to solid ground. You, there's a difference in your readiness, isn't there? Imagine if you're, if you're sunk in, in six inches of mud, right? And you're supposed to, you're going to try and jump as high as you can in six inches of mud. You'd be like, wouldn't you? You'd be, you couldn't even get out of it probably. But if you're on cement and you wanted to jump, 
Yeah, you can do it, no problem, be easy. It's because of the foundation. It's because you're ready because of the foundation that's prepared, that's there. We are standing on the firm foundation of the gospel of peace, and that makes us ready to move, ready to respond to needs around us. Because we are people who wear the good news of peace. We are people of peace, not of violence. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. You see, we are people who resolve conflict, not start it, not cause it. We are people who, who, when there's angry rooms, when there's divisive rooms, when there's discord, our presence should unarm that, not make it worse. When we walk into, we find ourselves in situations, our presence should presence should throw water on a situation, not gas, right? Because you know it gets two different results, right? If you have a fire, you throw water on it, it's one result. You throw gas on it, what kind of people are we? People who put water on stuff? Are we people who put gas on stuff? And the words you speak, the attitudes of heart, this is spiritual warfare, big time. How you respond in these situations, this is really where the rubber hits the road in a lot of situations. Oh, that we'd be people with the readiness of the gospel of peace. That our, that's the foundation that we live on. That's that we're prepared. It doesn't mean peace at any cost. It doesn't mean false peace. It means true peace. And the true, true peace is, is even a, like a military term. Because we know the Bible says that, that when, we, when we come to the Lord to prayer and supplication, that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guards is a sentry, is a soldier to our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. That there is this warrior-like effect. There's this, I mean, peace here is a, it's like a military term. It's like rulership. It's, it's, it's having um, authority over. It's guarding our hearts and our lives. It's not, it's not weak stuff. Peace is not weak. But it's strong, and there's a readiness for peace. And then there's the shield of faith. And verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all. Can you guys say all? All the flaming arrows of the evil one. I mean, just picture in your mind, you know, these, the, the, these, these ancient warring times where they would have arrows that would be, have pitch on them. And they'd be lit and they would shoot them up, just thousands of them, just trying to hit anything, right? They're, sometimes they weren't even aiming great. They just, and you'd see, you know, you... you you guys seen Braveheart, right? I mean, you guys, you, you have these different movies that you've seen where, you know, you think, you know, they have the shield up and they're, they're, the arrows are hitting them. And, and that's good. Isn't that kind of like what the devil does to us? Like he just throws everything at us, hoping something sticks, hoping something gets us in the back, hoping something, oh, it got through that, that, that part of the armor. He's just throwing all these fiery darts that typically aren't fatal, but they're intended to wound, disable, and distract he wants to stop us from moving forward. He uses fear, accusations, worry to try to convince us that we're powerless in him. But when we take up the shield of faith, we're able to extinguish all of the fiery darts of the enemy. And this faith, it's like a chemistry in the dynamics of our relationship with Jesus. It's walking with Jesus today. It's walking with Jesus all into eternity. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is deep trust. Faith is knowing, I know the Lord, and the Lord knows me, and it doesn't matter what the devil throws at me. My relationship with the Lord, you know, if you're wondering what I'm doing, I'm holding an imaginary shield, okay? You're like, what's pastor doing? In my mind, I'm holding the shield, okay? You probably didn't know what I was doing. It's like, he really likes his watch there, you know? No, I'm, I'm holding, this is a shield, okay? It's a shield. 
I just thought you guys might not know what I'm doing. So I got a shield here. And there's all these things coming at me. And, I, and this shield is my relationship with the Lord. That it's so strong, it's so trustworthy, that it doesn't matter what's thrown at me because there's faith, there's trust. Heather and I are going to celebrate 24 years of marriage this summer. Are there ever thoughts that I might have of, of that, well, maybe I couldn't trust her in this, or, 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 or thoughts, you know, because the enemy will try and give you all kinds of thoughts. You know how long those thoughts last? Like, they don't, because we have such trust, we have such a relationship that it extinguishes those things. And when the enemy throws stuff at us, the relationship that we have with the Lord, this faith, not just doctrine, faith, trust, relationship with him, it extinguishes those things. It cancels them out. It stops them. This deep abiding faith and trust deflects and extinguishes the attacks of the enemy. Then we have the helmet of salvation. The word salvation means wholeness, completeness. And it's this helmet because we need wholeness in our minds. Because the thinking in this world is broken and fragmented, right? I mean, if, if ever since the fall, the way men and women think, the way the human race thinks is broken, it's fractured, it's, 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 it's not, it doesn't work right. I mean, this world's crazy, right? I mean, it's crazy. And we need to, we need to live in the helmet of salvation, of the wholeness and the completeness that we have in Christ Jesus, that our minds are renewed in Christ Jesus, that we have the mind of Christ, that we're thinking as a whole person should. That we need to be able to think with the mind of Christ. We need to think according to a Christian biblical worldview. We need our minds saved and protected as we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. This protects our mind. Because that's where the battle is, isn't it? It's right here. And we're, that our mind is whole, it's complete. We have, would you just say, I'm going to ask you to say, I have the mind of Christ. And would, you, would you just, on the count of three, one, two, three. I have the mind of Christ. One more time. One, two, three. I have the mind of Christ. We do, and, and we, we can think how Christ, we, can, we don't address situations just how the world would, but Lord, what do you think about this situation? That's the helmet of salvation. How do you want to bring wholeness and rescue to this situation? And then sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. James, book of James tells us that this Word is active, it's alive, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And Jesus showed us how to use this in the desert when he was tempted, didn't he? The enemy came to him and he tried to tempt him. And his response was always the word. The enemy tried to get him to meet legitimate needs in illegitimate ways. Oh, if only rocks could be bred and feed the famished. If only God would give a graphic and spectacular demonstration of his power. If only earthly power could be achieved without effort or sacrifice. But Jesus responded every time with, it is written. I mean, he took him out by the word of the Lord. And the sword of the Spirit is more than just quoting Scripture, okay? It's having a revelation. It's having an understanding of what it's saying. It's having it in our heart, in our minds. It becomes a part of us. It becomes an extension of us. When that happened, I guarantee you, Jesus wasn't thinking, oh, I wonder what verse would meet this situation. Let me get my Bible out and look. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that, but oh, that we would have this word in us in such a way that when the enemy comes, I mean, we're ready. There's a word ready. There's an understanding ready of no, that is contrary to what scripture says. That's contrary to what the word says. And so this place of revelation of, 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 
of what the Lord would say, that it's not just, it's not just words on a paper, that it's bread, it's life, it's a part of who we are. You know, I think of, the, of great people in my life, and I'm not talking about famous people because I don't know any famous people. I'm thinking about spiritually strong, spiritually great people. Many of the people I consider great are in this room today. People that I've known through my life. And there's a, there's a pattern that I've discovered. And this is it. They're people of the Word. I'm not just saying they read their Bible a lot. I'm saying they love the Word. They're in the Word. It's in them. They're people of the Word, and they're people of prayer. Which leads us to the next thing, of praying in the Spirit. But people of the Word, people of prayer. And it's manifested in love. It's man of, and I think of the people that have had the biggest impact on my life. They're people in the word, they're people of prayer, and they're people who love, who love, love, love. Oh, that that would be true of us. And here he says to pray in the spirit. Verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. You know what that means? You can't pray wrong. Because the enemy will try, oh, you're not praying right. You don't know how to pray. You've got too much sin in your life. You, God's not hearing you. These prayers weren't answered. Anybody else ever heard those lies? See, that's, see, he's trying to take power away from us. And if we believe that lie, we're giving up that power. The reason the enemy fights us on prayer so much is because he knows how powerful it is. He probably knows how powerful it is more than some of us know how powerful it is. And so here Paul says, pray. Pray in the Spirit. We're told in other places, places, pray in the Spirit. Pray in understanding. Pray on all occasions. If you don't know what that means, it means all the time. No matter what's going on. With all kinds of prayers. All kinds of requests. Just this ongoing interaction with the Lord. You can't do it wrong. And if you start doing it not perfect, the longer you do it, just the more it grows and develops. So just go for it. Just talk to Jesus. Just Tell them what's on your heart. Just interact. What prayer is, is receiving from the Lord his burden, his desire, what he wants to see happen. And then we kind of get a hold of that, and then we turn it back over to him. And so we just have to get still and quiet enough long, long, long in the Lord enough to just hear his heart. And we have that, and we return it. Our prayer is, Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, that you would be established, your ways would be established, and we and it's one of the ways we fight back the enemy. The enemy is not, he's not just going to take us, he's not going to be able to take just us out because we're going to stand in these truths of these armors in the word of the Lord and in prayer. But not only are we going to be victorious, but our families are going to be victorious. Our church is going to be victorious. The community of faith is going to be victorious. Our neighborhood is going to overcome. All the places where the enemy would want to stop. No, we come against that in intercession and prayer, and we drive back these forces of darkness. I'm telling you, we are not called to be a complacent people. We're not called to be pacifist in, in so far as just sitting back and just, oh, whatever happens, happens. Glory to God, whatever his will is, his will is for us to take up the armor of God, to know who we are in him, and to rise to the occasion and be the body of Christ. That's who we are. That's who we're called to be. That's what, that's what we're called into. That's the reality of who we are. And Paul's saying, live in it. Walk in it. Be who I have made you to be. Be who I have called you to be. Be this in all these areas. So we've said the days are evil. We know there's evil days. But we are here armored in the armor of God to stop the advancement of evil in our world. 
We are equipped to destroy works of darkness. As we live truthfully, as we live righteously, as we walk in our salvation, as we, as we walk in the strength of the faith, trust, relationship we have the Lord, as we, as we walk in, 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 the, in, in the mind of Christ with our salvation, when we, when we are active, when we take up the sword of the Spirit, and we're engaged in prayer, we are overcomers. Isaiah 55, I'm finishing with this. Isaiah 55, 19 says this. It says, when the, un- when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will lift up a standard against him. Okay, I'm going to read that one more time. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of God will lift up a standard against him. I believe you and I are a part of that standard. We are a part of that standard that the Lord wants to lift up to stop what the enemy wants to do. So the question is this morning, are you ready to be part of that standard in Jesus' name? Are you ready to really take that up to sink into who you are in Jesus? To be victorious. This is what Paul has been telling us all through Ephesians. This is what's provided for us in Christ. This is how he's called to live. This is how we overcome. And he says, let's, let's do it. Paul says, are you ready to rumble? That's what Paul's saying. Would you bow your head and Close your eyes with me this morning. As our worship team comes, as our prayer teams come up. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to Him. If you've been away from Him, maybe you came this morning to make somebody happy. That's okay. You're here on purpose this morning. God has you in this place. And you have an opportunity to bow your knee to him, to say yes to Jesus. Say yes to him. Put your faith and trust in him. If if that's you here today, I I just want to pray with you just right where you are. Would you just raise your hand and say, Jay, I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to put my faith and trust in him. All right, I see see a hand. Anybody else? Say, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. Anybody else? All right. I'm going to pray this prayer. If you raise your hand, even if you didn't, but you went in on, you want in on this, just whisper this prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I submit myself to you today. I humble myself. Spiritually, I get on my knees right now, and I say, you're Lord, and I am not. I turn my life over to you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin. I ask you to be Lord, master of my life. I put you in charge. My answer is yes, Jesus. Yes, I want you as my Lord. I want you as my master. I ask that you would cleanse me, take away all of my sin and unrighteousness, and just, just whisper the word, say, Jesus, I receive you. I receive eternal life right now. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness. Thank you for peace. Thank you for wholeness. Thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that this episode made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com.